Hi, this is Steve Addison, and this is episode 186 of the Movements Podcast. The podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're talking to Russell Godward from the UK and Troy Cooper from the US about multiplying movements in the Western world. My friend Steve, who's on our team, um, he was just out in town and uh, he, he saw this guy across a room he was in, I think, a food bank or something, and he felt the Lord say to him, you should speak to that guy. Um, so he finished his conversation, turned around to speak to this guy, and he'd gone. Hmm. A couple of days later, Steve and Debbie are in town, and they bump into the same guy. So he shares the gospel with this guy. Just brilliant. And uh, guy's Edward. And Edward and Mercy, they're already believers. But they see how Steve engages them, prays for them, shares the gospel with them. And they're like, we have to learn to do that. We want to do that in this mm. town. So Edward and Mercy join us. They join our church. They're meeting with us. And now Edward and Mercy are coming into the harvest with us. And they know what to do now. So how to engage people. Share the gospel, make disciples. So we begin going out into Edward and Mercy's neighborhood. Just because we have a church in their street. So we head out onto this little typically working class estate in Essex and we're knocking doors and um, we knock this lady's door Mercia and we just offer prayer she says like yeah I'd love you to pray for me she shares something which is obviously very real to her a crisis in the family and we pray for Mercia and then we share the gospel with her and she's a backslider so she's she describes herself as far from God now. Wow. And uh, she said, I'm standing here shaking as you're mm. talking to me. Um, she said, it was really weird. She said, I can only say that I felt God gave me a dream two mm. days ago that he would use me in bringing people to his church. And she said, I didn't understand it because I'm not part of a church, I'm backslidden. She said, I've just seen what you guys are doing. She said, I need to be part of what you're doing. Hmm. So she commits her life back to God there and then. So this is Steve and I knocking on a lady's door. So I just arranged to go back later with a lady, Mercy, hmm. Mercy from Edward and Mercy. So we go back a few hours later, knock on Mercy's door, and I introduce her to Mercy, which is wonderful. And they look at each other and they recognize each other because the day before, they'd said hello to each other at the school game because the lady who's just given her life back to God, hmm. she felt she should go and speak to this lady. And again, she now describes that as God speaking to her and working in her life. Hmm. So I just had a message. We're, we're in Brisbane now. I just had a message from Steve um, yesterday saying that now this new lady, Mercia, she was out with them in the harvest this week hmm. sharing the gospel. 
making disciples. Straight. Mm. And she was at church Sunday with her and her four kids, and the kids are loving it, and now they're learning. Mm. So, yeah, just... And that's happening everywhere. That's mm. what we're finding, just everywhere. So we're meeting people. We're finding a lot of that. People are beginning... We're beginning to find people who've had dreams. You know, God's preparing their hearts. God's at work wow. in their lives. People far from God, people backslidden, but they've had dreams, either of one of our team knocking on their door, of, you know, some prompting, which we describe, you know, as really a prompting of the Holy Spirit, God at work in their lives. And that's really exciting. Mm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Our family has been in Los Angeles for about 10 months now. And um, I think I'll probably give a broader update in a different episode for you. But um, we're uh, learning in the bigger city and the more urban context uh, the value of uh, and the importance of, I would say, uh, going slow to go fast, equipping people to pursue oikos or you know existing relationships with people neighbors uh, where they live work and play and um, because I feel like we train people to to find the person of peace and we failed to train the locals to be the person of peace and uh, really pursue um, folks that are around them and uh, so we, we made some adjustments and yeah I think there's a number of exciting stories I mean we just we're tracking some second generation churches um, through uh, a team led by a guy named uh, JT at a Bridges Church in Long Beach and they've got a third generation disciple um, there's some multiplication happening up in the Bay Area up in San Francisco area uh, through uh, a leader named Jay Ashcraft um, but yeah one of the stories to share that's been encouraging is um, through uh, our, our oldest daughter uh, Maya you know, we've got seven kids and them transitioning to a new city, uh, making friends, new school. You know, she's starting high school. Um, and uh, But she's a disciple maker. And she has a very close relationship with Jesus. Abiding is just is so key. And uh, so she's walking with the Lord and, and she's walking into this new massive school in a new city. And, and she's, she's making friends. Um, but as she's as she's there, she's praying for opportunities and she's sharing the gospel with people. How old is she? Uh, she's 15. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. And a few weeks ago, um, she found out that some of the friends that she was hang, hanging out with were actually going, because uh, of some differing um, views, um, were actually going and, and picking up the seed that she was sharing with people. And um, so she had to, she was confronted with the decision of, of um, do I want to be who they want me to be, <laughs> or do I want to be who who, who I am in Christ? Mm-hmm. And, which is a tough decision for a 15 year old in a new area. And she um, said to me, uh, we were um, meeting over breakfast together before school, and she said, "Dad, um, Jesus wants me to surrender to Him the dream of being a normal, having a normal high school life, you know, with friends and yeah. and." Um, and so she did that. She made that decision and just gave it to him. And uh, two days later, um, she had the opportunity. She's on the track team. Uh, there was a girl on the track team who was two years older than her, actually the captain of the track team, came up to her and she said, Hey, I've I got some questions. And I know that you're, you know, you're, you're into Jesus and that sort of thing. So 
Um, so my sat down and she shared the gospel with her using the simple three circles tool. And uh, this girl, um, we'll call her Monique, um, said that she wanted to follow Jesus. And um, so Maya began to explain to her, you know, basic 411, who she is in Christ now from 2 Corinthians 5 and begin to map out who are people in her life that are far from God and help practice, you know, her um, uh, being able to share the gospel and set up a time to meet. And the girl said, hey, could we do church on the bleachers? So this girl asked for this. And I was like, sure. So the next week, um, after track practice, Monique comes up and says, hey, Ma, you ready to do church on the bleachers? And she's like, yeah. And uh, she said, I hope it's okay. I invited some friends. <laughs> so this is after track practice, right? She's got three friends. And uh, Maya said, hey, Monique, why don't you share that message of what God did in your life? And so she explains the gospel, this girl, Monique, to her three friends using the three circles. And Maya said it was beautiful. And uh, all three of them said, yeah, they're in brokenness and they wanted to follow Jesus. And then they transitioned into uh, the first command of Christ and we used the the sinful woman story. And so um, they all identified with the sinful woman and said they wanted to follow Jesus. And um, so, of course, that's powerful to us as parents, you know, and as followers of Jesus to, to learn from the posture of, of our daughter who's facing hardships and, and facing this mission field. And uh, it started with abiding in Christ and, and it cost her something. You know, like she had to, to give up her rights, you know, of being a high school, you know, like, hey, I want to be a high school kid who has friends and people like me. And, and she's she, because she's sharing the gospel with people, it cost her her friends. And look, look what God had for her on the other side of obedience. And, and for us as parents, as we get to learn. So um, I think there's something to that as far as like, you know, um, and it was secondary way cost. It was people that she wasn't close to, but she was on the track team. And because of her obedience to Jesus, she began to be, to get her a reputation, you know, as, Hey, we know that you're this, I got a question for you. And uh, so, you know, that's just one of number of things we're seeing God doing that's personal for us. Mm -hmm. uh, And and, and Malachi has seen a a friend of his come to faith and is discipling him. And um, so, yeah, so we're starting to see some, some fruit through our family and, and through the growing team there. Um, Just learning what the spirit's doing. Uh, But we're excited to be here for this, four fields intensive training. I think it's the first one in Australia. And, um, man, those have been so catalytic, not just in cities, but in countries. And Russ, you just, I remember we did one a year ago, but you just had one. Yeah. How'd that go, man? Yeah, really good. Um, so we, we squashed it into a three-day intensive. Um, and that's just been wonderful, been really good. So, so typically what's happening is we're heading around the country training often in local churches sometimes with teams and groups and organizations in entry-level training so 411 um, how to share the gospel how to go after people of peace how to begin to make disciples and what that tends to bring out is mm. that tends to help you find those catalytic leaders mm. or people who really want to take the next step they grab hold of those tools those skills they begin to do something with it and then they're like they're just hungry for more and so we, we invite those folks to a Four Fields Intensive. So, yeah, just did the, the second one, because you were with us a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So 37 really leader types in the room from across the UK. Wow. How many different parts of the UK? Um, 10, 15, yeah, cities, I think, that's that sort of number. Um, 50% of people in the room have done some training and are probably is what we describe as practitioners. Mm. The other 50% are sort of very new, mm. so they've maybe been through 411, caught hold of a few pieces of training, and straight mm. away they're like, we want to go further with this. Mm. So that's been really good. Um, and so then, yeah, the four fields, we just, you know, begin with the four fields as a, as a strategy, really, um, you know, for Jesus' mission to go and make disciples and begin to take them through that, mm. get them into the Word intensely. Mm. Um, some skills, some tools, and just very exciting. So even new folks in the mm. room, just going away with a God-sized vision, being really clear about their region. I have a plan, a strategy now for mm. their region, maybe their town, their city, or even just their neighborhood. Mm. And knowing what to do, and people in the room saying, we're ready to do this. We're mm. willing to lay down our lives for the gospel mm. so that the gospel goes to all people, so that everybody gets to hear the gospel mouth to ear with an invitation to follow Jesus, become a disciple, and be part of the church. Yeah. I, th I think back in April last year, 2018, when you were with us in Leicester, um, we had a Church of England vicar with us, Phil, Phil Warman from Sheffield, and he just connected with us. Mm. Um, I think I met him at New Wine, um, mm the summer before 2017 and he loved the training we did at New Wine and I think probably over the winter we'd had a couple of Skype calls because he wanted to get hold of some of the training straight away for himself so we did a, I think I did three Skype calls with him and just a very small team of people from his church and they grabbed hold of it straight away wow. just the basic skills you know, around how to know your relationship map, mm. um, how to begin to share the gospel with the three circles, mm. um, the Luke 10 study, how to find a person of peace. Just some simple things we did, and they made a start straight away. And then he came in April to the, the Four Fields Intensive. And I remember him standing up at the end of that four days, because we often get people to feedback, you know, what have you been learning over the four days? what's your plan or what's the next thing you're going to go and do when you get home and he stood up in the room middle-aged man crying his eyes out yeah. for lost people in his wow. city yeah. like half a million people wow. greater Sheffield 95% far from God mm. and he's just standing there crying mm. and he said this changes everything wow. he said nothing's ever going to be the same in terms of ministry when I go back home. And he went home with a God-sized vision for his city and with a clear path. He, you know, he knew now what to do when he got home. And he had simple steps as well. He knew exactly what to do on Monday morning when he got home. And he's made a start and they're seeing new disciples um, being raised up in their city. It's not massive numbers, mm. 
But he wasn't seeing that before. Mm. He's got groups of new disciples. He's now training other churches and raising up other leaders in their city. And he's going at it. Yeah. Mm. So it's exciting. Yeah. Good. I remember our uh, first four fields intensive that we had in uh, Florida in Stewart. Um, a man named Augie came and a man named Jacob Vi came and a man named Brian King from Tulsa came among about probably about a hundred other people and uh, Scott Castile brought Augie uh, local leader and um, it lit Augie up and Scott just began to walk with Augie and he's as he again I think what you said the the big vision of, of it really ignited something in his heart yeah um, the clear path of, of, in this case, the four fields of just having a, a clear strategy and, and simple tools, practical things that he can leave and do on Monday morning. Um, and, and Jacob went back to, to Haiti and began to put those things into practice. And um, I think in every city that we've done a four fields training, um, it's almost like this, especially the first one, it's like this, almost like this first fruits training where we find leaders uh, that God, the Holy Spirit, brings to um, for us to to learn from and to partner with and to steward. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, when I first showed up in LA, literally the day we drove in to Los Angeles with our moving uh, van that Scoop was driving, um, the local team that Rick Priado, our team, had been training, was leading a four fields intensive, and uh, with people from all over, and uh, that has been extremely catalytic as mm-hmm. far as finding local leaders but as you just said like a year later you guys were leading the whole thing so like yeah I think it's a benchmark when the local yeah. the locals can yeah. lead it themselves and just yeah. take ownership you know and that's the key that's what no place left is right is local ownership of the core missionary task if they can uh, facilitate and lead people through it you know and there's you know there are different types of trainings we're seeing like just kind of backing up we have something called gospel conversations I think you guys call it something different but basic field one to four tools on how do you begin to have a gospel conversation how do you transition that to discipleship with the, with the tools to, to form church if you're going for that? Um, and so that's giving people the practicals, mm. right? And if you've got them, best practice tools so that we can begin to, to see who's going to obey. Yeah. And um, this four fields intensive is, is best principles. We want to go from being pragmatist to, to biblicist and help them really, I mean, the very first module is, and most, most times is the Genesis to Revelation, seeing you know, God's passion for his glory among the nations from Genesis to Revelation. And then from there, um, helping them identify, I mean, what's a, what's a bigger God-sized vision than going from Genesis to Revelation? Um, you know, but then pulling out of the scriptures, out of Acts, out of the Gospels, uh, a process, uh, a biblical framework for kingdom expansion that we see in the four fields. And so to, to have the privilege to, to, to be with others um, in the room, to to help people discover this from the word and, and see like that gentleman stand up and weep. Um, that, I mean, this is a, um, this is a, a very disruptive training mm-hmm. uh, in a city and people's lives. I mean, I think it has massive impact. Yeah. Um, people leave uh, the ones who are like, man, I, I want to, uh, it's not the only way to do this, but man, the ones who say, I want to follow Jesus in this way. There's a lot of sacrifice that comes yeah. uh, as they, as they follow him, but it's been extremely catalytic. I mean, this is all about, I mean, Bill Smith says it. It's, it's not the process. It's about the person. 
and trying to find who are the people that God is stirring in their hearts that are yeah. willing to follow yeah. him in the process allows us to, um, you know, sh- certainly helps. And I think that four fields intensive has been extremely helpful in finding who are the people that God is, is stirring in that city for movement. Um, and to get to, to walk with them, you know, and to serve them and, uh, and to learn from what God's doing through them. Yeah. I mean, Augie began to walk locally. He wept for lostness in Florida and the Lord over the last few years has used him to catalyze movements all over Latin America. I mean, he's literally trained leaders from all 22 Spanish speaking countries. And, um, and he's, um, yeah. Um, Brian King in Tulsa, uh, God's used him to, uh, roll out training at their church and start a residency. And, um, and that church has, has just sent two full-time families from their church to the mission field in Asia. And they've launched their second residency, second round. Um, and they have uh, 12 people going through it, including a family that came to Christ in the harvest in the first round of residency. And, uh, so he, and he's, he's part of a growing network of, of pastors that are pursuing no place left in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, that are really trying to serve other pastors and other churches um, you know, sometimes if you're, if you're a pastor, uh, and you come to a new place of gathering, um, you know, like guys that are, that are maybe not pastoring a church, don't you know, understand some of the challenges of rolling this out in a church. So there's a growing network of pastors and, and ministry leaders and, and, uh, in existing churches. And Brian's been very catalytic among the, among churches in the U S. Um, and then Jacob Vi, uh, man, they've, uh, <laughs> just got to witness a move of God in Haiti um, where I think they saw a hundred thousand baptisms last year and uh, thousands of churches multiplying um, local ownership of the core missionary task. It spilled over into the Dominican Republic, South America, even parts of Europe. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jacob and his family have now moved on to uh, a city in Asia um, along with a team that was sent out of Florida. Um, to, uh, to see the Lord work among some unreached people groups there. Yeah, it's been very encouraging what we're seeing God doing in North America, in yeah. UK, Europe, uh, Australia. Um, I think for years we've been um, in the Western context, if we can, if we can call it that, um, discouraged as we compare, you know, we look at what God's doing in China and India and um you know, other parts of the world where there's, there's clear active movements of God. Um, you know, you go on a loop 10 house of peace search and a whole village comes to Christ. I remember being down in Mexico with Augie and his very first training down there. And, and he come in, in, in 30 minutes, 30 households came to faith. You know, it's like, we don't see that. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, up, up in, up in, uh, up in the U S or we haven't yet. Um, so it's, you can feel like a failure, you know, comparing, um, ourselves to movements in other places, and uh, but but I, I think we have to accept that this is a different context. Now it's the same Holy Spirit, the same Bible, the same the same God at work, and um, but and we're we're not uh, lacking in faith for what He's going to do here. But if you if you try to measure. Uh, in the Western context, along with what we're seeing God doing in other parts of the world, you can get very discouraged. You can feel like you're failing. Um, you could try to change things up, you know, um, and which which is unhelpful. 
Um, I mean, in, you know, make make minor tweaks, but like you know, oh, let's not let's let's keep grabbing onto a, the, the 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 latest shiny object, yeah. and um, that's not helping anybody. So, uh, but what's encouraging is we I think once we identify this is there is some similarities in between the north you know the U.S. and Canada and 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 Europe and in Australia as far as some of the barriers that we're facing. And we can begin to go after those with the word of God and stories from the harvest and just some practical suggestions. We can, we can begin to identify some best practices as far as like, you know, even, you know, what I heard Daniel Solid refer to as an urban rhythm, you know, like where we're talking about, Hey man, get in a three thirds group, go out and harvest once a week. Um, you know, start training others like uh, rhythms in the, in those contexts have, have become helpful. Um, you know, the best practice of gathering a group or a church in your home, begin to do this yourself. We're seeing uh, the folks who are seeing multiplication. That's a best practice in Western context. And so um, a guy named Roger Scholl in Houston, um, the Lord's really raised him up uh, to begin um, gathering data um, from across different teams in the U.S. and beginning to identify, what, okay, what are some common stuckages? What are some common breakthroughs that we're seeing? So we're starting to learn from our own context here. <laughs> And um, I think that was, that's, that's a shift. That's been important, um, you know, because the biggest barrier we're facing is we don't have natural oikos here. Um, but there's still a lot of lost people that need to hear the gospel. Um, I was sitting at a, um, a strategic planning uh, for E3 uh, a few weeks ago, and Dwayne Falk, like the Yoda of, of missions research, um, had this like notebook full of of, uh, of helpful sheets, you know, and diagrams. And one of the things I noticed, it was on urban versus rural and it, 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 um, you know, color coded on based on what percentage of the population was urban, you know, so large cities versus rural. And, um, you know, as, as we're praying through the Western peoples, I noticed on the map and I don't know how old the map was, but the U S Canada, Europe, UK, Australia, uh, most of those places were 75% or more urban context. And so, and, and of the 707 movements we're tracking, I know there are some movements existing in urban settings, but most of them are in rural settings. And so I think we're, we're, um, we're beginning to think, okay, Lord, Lord, give us wisdom in how to go after the cities because the world's population is rapidly moving mm. towards urban centers yeah. um, at a rapid rate. And so, you know, I think identifying some of those uh, barriers and learning um, how to strategically um, and biblically go after those large populations of lostness. So I think it's been helpful just to kind of one, hey, identify what are some of the barriers and, and now... Um, believe, Lord, what do you want to do uh, in the Western context? And uh, we are seeing um, leaders raised up. We are seeing people uh, make large sacrifices uh, to obey him in this way. We're seeing teams emerging in cities all across the Western context um, that aren't just passionate about uh, going to um, uh, you know, different parts of Asia, but they want to see God do a work in their own city, in their own country. And I believe it's going to take the example of what we heard from Maya confronted with, you know, a massive population. God called her there, but she is abiding deeply in Jesus. She is willing to be labeled 
a Jesus follower at all costs. Um, she's, she's faithfully sharing the gospel and she was willing to surrender and, uh, and take on that label and give up, you know, what was very valuable to her in saying, Jesus, you're more valuable and look what God has entrusted to her. And so I think, I think that's part of what it's going to take for us, uh, to see God move in this way in the West and in the urban centers. And, uh, so, um, if you're in the Western context, um, don't lose heart. God, God is with you. And, uh, there's, there's a lot of people that he's stirring and, and continue to be faithful, um, continue to, to trust him for what he is, he is doing and is going to continue doing for his glory. And we are trusting him, uh, to see breakthrough in, uh, these cities in the Western context and that what we see him doing in China and India and different parts of Latin America, that he is going to do this here for his glory. And, um, and, uh, what do we have to lose? Uh, he's worth it. Yeah. Good. If you're enjoying the movements podcast, don't forget to leave a review and spread the word via social media. It really helps. This has been Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.